You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Monday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first guest and topic of the week. Now, we're talking about productivity and also mental health in the workplace. According to Mind UK, which is a UK-based charity that supports people with mental health challenges, there's strong evidence that suggests workplaces with high levels of mental health well-being are more productive, which means it's a good thing and vital that companies and managers make sure that their staff don't get burned out and stressed out and that employees also regularly check in to see how their mental health is affecting their work and to address this topic i'm really delighted to be joined once again on the program by alison Alexa, who's a psychotherapist and head of corporate psychology at otmp mindworks welcome back on the program alison how are you doing and happy new year to you happy healthy new year to you noreen and to all the listeners thank you so much for having me on to discuss what's really such an important topic right now in terms of productivity and people's mental well-being. Absolutely. Now, I know that aside from uh, working with individuals and couples, you also work uh, with a lot of corporates, um, Alison, which is uh, especially important now because people are sort of working from home but also making their way back uh, to the office again. Um, Perhaps let's talk about why it's important uh, to discuss now uh, productivity in the workplace and also its relationship uh, with mental health. Yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Right now really is the perfect time, Noreen, to have this conversation because a lot of companies and employees right now are having kind of a global reckoning. So at the beginning of the pandemic, people were imagining that working from home or having more flexible work arrangements would allow them to have more latitude, more freedom. And in other words, that was code for some people to feel like they may have less pressure to be productive, or people started imagining that they would have this extra freedom. And in fact, they could actually use that time to fiercely concentrate and be even more productive. So right now, we can see that both of these predictions have failed. Now, why is that? Why have these predictions failed about what the pandemic has provided? The reality is quite different. So the reality is now that most people um, are working, right? Those people who are employed feel pressure to stay relevant and to be productive, right? To keep proving their worth. And companies are also feeling the anxiety to stay relevant and alive. So I think if you look at this combination, right, of the companies fighting for their existence, the employees looking to stay relevant, a lot of people are pushing their foot on the gas pedal in terms of productivity. Now, the other side of that coin, which also gives us important information about productivity, is that if you're out of work right now, and unfortunately there are many people um, who have lost their jobs over this past year, then you're essentially making it your job to find a job right? Most of the world is in survival mode and not having a job is incredibly stressful. So people are also putting their foot heavily on the gas pedal. Of gas pedal. And I think that, you know, just we've really severely underestimated the extra work that comes from working from home or having flexible work hours. So again, I think if we roll back the clock, and we had this conversation as a predictive one, what the pandemic might allow, we would say, well, maybe people will have better boundaries with their productivity or they'll have new time, newfound time, but it's been just the op- opposite. So now that we are having right, this reckoning, I, I see it as a tremendous opening 
for companies to really understand the relationship between mental health and productivity. And companies really are asking themselves key questions relating to boundaries, clarity of expectations for employees. And they're not shying away, Noreen, from the fact that people do actually generally feel better mentally when they're productive. But the key is that it has to be within reason. Absolutely. We, we all want to be relevant. We all want to be productive. Um, and, yes. and, and let's talk about perhaps the, the relationship between productivity and mental health. I, I remember, I think, rewinding a few months ago at the start of the pandemic, we, we talked about that fantasy of, of working from home, but then the reality is a little bit different. And to add to that, I mean, people don't have to commute so that there's sort of more time to work. Um, at the same yeah. time, people may feel overworked. So let's talk about that relationship between productivity and, and mental health? Yeah, so the clients that I speak with, both in the clinical and the corporate spaces, often very clearly state that they do feel better mentally when they're productive. But again, it must be within reason, right? And what we just talked about is that a lot of people have actually gone overboard and have really fiercely put their foot on the pedal this year and have experienced things like burnout or what some people might call toxic productivity. So it's interesting because if we can strike a healthy balance, actually we know people mentally are stronger when they're productive, but once it crosses over, it can be a very dangerous space for employees mentally. So the problem with all of this, right, when we look at productivity and mental health is that stress itself is subjective. So a stressful work environment to you might be different than it is to me or the next person, right? And some people very much thrive with a push to be productive, especially if they can taste you know, some monetary compensation or some kind of reward for it at the end. But we also know, Noreen, that sometimes people, when they feel the weight of stress, right, they absorb that in ways that may lead them to some mental health challenges. Now, the important thing when we talk about productivity is to remember that companies hire employees, but employees are first and foremost people, right? And therefore, the big push now is for companies to be clear what they actually expect from people in order to be productive. And they need to do a better job understanding that if the expectations are unreasonable. Again, super subjective. Unreasonable to me is different than unreasonable to the next person. That people's mental health will suffer. It can often lead, right, too much uh, pressure for productivity can lead to anxiety, depression, burnout, you name it, and that will just backfire. So people might perform well to begin with when they have that push to productivity, but if it becomes too stressful of an environment, if there are no boundaries, that's when we see things um, backfire. Now, if we're talking about mental health challenges and we're really trying to understand the relationship between productivity and the development of mental health challenges, I think what we should do, Noreen, is step back and understand something in psychology called the diathesis stress model. And this model is really our best guess as to why people develop mental health challenges. And I'll tie this together with productivity. So the diathesis stress model basically posits that if there's enough genetic predisposition, which is the diathesis part of that model, 
for a mental health challenge to unfold, if it's met with enough environmental stressor, then a mental health challenge could unfold. So another way to frame this very simply is that genes load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. And therefore, if we come back to this question of the relationship between productivity and mental health challenges, if, a, if employees are walking around with enough genetic vulnerability right, for certain mental health challenges, if that's met with enough environmental stressors from work, if there's such a push for productivity that you know, they feel overwhelmed, then yes, we could theoretically see a strong connection between an unhealthy push towards productivity and mental health challenges. But again, so much of this is tricky because companies really need to balance this with the truth that people do feel better. They feel they have stronger sense of accomplishment. They have stronger sense of agency, self-efficacy if they are productive. So we shouldn't be telling companies to reduce productivity. I think that's quite a weak goal. And I think that that's one that companies sometimes you know, will advertise. The reality is we can balance the need that people have to be productive and the need that people have to feel like they are respected, to feel that their time um, is their own at times, and that the companies understand that they first and foremost have hired people, and mm. some people have mental health challenges. Mm. That's a really, yeah, those are really uh, important points. And one point that you also talked about is toxic productivity, Alison. Yes. Uh, you know, um, productivity is often viewed as a positive thing. It's good to be mm -hmm. productive. People want to be productive. Um, yes. When does it become toxic and, and how do we recognize that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Like, when does it actually cross the line like when are some when are some signs maybe Noreen that people are actually being kind of too productive That's right. and you're absolutely right that being super productive or you know kind of navigating that toxic productive space is often celebrated right it is one of the addictions that is most celebrated um, on a societal level. So let's talk about maybe, you know, what are those specific signs that people are kind of inching towards that toxic productivity? So, okay, when burnout is on the horizon, when people's moods shift away from the baseline, right, and as you see them inching towards some kind of anxiety or depression, when they're shipping a lot, in other words, they're producing so much content or they're producing so much but the quality is going down, right? When the quality is really taking a nosedive. When you notice that they are never offline, they are the people who are obsessively, you know, thinking about being online, compulsively signing online, and they never seem to kind of check out of work. With that, they never actually take time off work, right? When they tell themselves a story about being productive that's so dramatic or so grandiose, when you know that their personal lives are suffering, and sometimes when you notice all of this at once. So some employees are better at hiding this kind of toxic productivity. And again, we've agreed, right? This is one of those addictions that's absolutely um, celebrated, right? And it's often monetarily rewarded. So we really have to take a look at if companies are hiring people, then the people surrounding employees need to be aware of shifts away from baseline look at the delta which is also right the change in that baseline to see are people being so super productive that they're starting to suffer mentally or people around them are starting to feel unreasonable amounts of pressure is the quality of the work going down 
And are you noticing signs that there's not much to their life except for work? Yeah, and absolutely. And that sounds very toxic when your other relationships and when your own mental health is is suffering uh, because you're working too much, working too hard. Um, But then the the irony of, of, of all that is that the quality of your work goes down also. So you're not actually producing 100%, even if you're giving 200%. Um, Absolutely. You also do a, a lot of work as a therapist in, in the corporate space. Um, are you starting to also see that companies, they're sort of changing their expectations with productivity uh, because some employees are having um, mental health challenges? Oh, yes, absolutely. And encouragingly so in Hong Kong, I'm seeing a lot of companies really starting to challenge some of their antiquated views on productivity, right, and not celebrating the addiction to work. So at OTMP, where I had the corporate psychology practice, the, the corporate work that we're doing has spanned the globe, actually, this past year. And we've done you know tons of work regionally and within Hong Kong. And I can say that mental health is absolutely being prioritized. It's being discussed much more openly. It's touching employees at various levels, this conversation. And, you know, again, companies are really starting to be able to hold on to two truths at once, which I find very encouraging. So that if employees have no boundaries, if companies send messages that they own their employees, that's going to fail. But again, people do feel better when they're productive. So can we work towards some kind of balance, right? And it's not a one-size-fits-all where there is encouragement of productivity, but there are boundaries. Now, we run a very really fantastic program, Noreen, out of OTMP that's called Thrive. And what Thrive really sets out to do is to empl- allow employees to do just that, right? is to create some sort of balance where there's the tension to, there's that healthy tension to inspire people to produce, but also feel that they have agency, that they are able to have boundaries. And the benefit of the work that we're doing at OTMP is that we really have the incredible bonus of being a medical clinic, right? So we're able to provide therapeutic advice, coaching advice, and medical advice to companies so that employees can feel that they have a path at their company whereby they are treated with dignity and respect, right? And their individual circumstances are somewhat understood, again, within reason, but they're also challenged to grow. And this specific packet program that we run introduces mental health along with helping people to build resilience long-term. So, you know, when we step back, right, and we look at the corporate work, we know that if we just reduce people's workload, right, we just immediately reduce the need to be, quote, productive. In the short run, people may have a brief psychological exhale because they feel like they have less to do. But again, in the long run, they tend to have more self-respect if they feel that they're able to pace themselves at a healthy rate if they can watch themselves grow, if they can watch their roles expand, and that they feel like they're able to have a conversation with their companies in terms of what's reasonable at any kind of given time and what can they really strive towards. So employees generally, Noreen, don't appreciate kind of token efforts by companies to talk about mental health, and employees I talk to can smell this a million miles away. 
you know, there's one email about mental health at the company. There might be one workshop here and there. There might be one discussion from the leader. But we know that consistent effort, which does begin with starting the conversation somehow at the company, really does allow people to feel that they are going to be inspired to grow and they are able to have healthy boundaries. Yeah, boundaries is so important and it's sometimes not easy to set because it, it can be addictive. You just want to get that task oh, yeah. done. You finish that yes. and then you check it off your list and you go to the next thing because you don't want it to spill over to, to the next day. Um, Absolutely. And I'm sure companies want to hire people who, who are productive, but at the same time, um, what are some signs of people being too productive? Um, I mean, in other words, when does productivity come at a cost of their mental health and, and how can employers and how can corporates spot these signs? Yeah, so I think, you know, some of this we, we touched on earlier, which really relates to that shift away from baseline range. So watching people's moods deteriorate, watching them maybe being more productive, but the quality's going down or the productivity is actually going down. And so too is the quality, the interactions with coworkers, the tone has changed. You've noticed, again, they're never signing offline or they're telling themselves a story that, you know, they have to check email at all hours um, of the day. Sometimes people, you know, they will be um, seeking out lots of kind of professional advice in terms of therapy or doctors, and you notice, right, they're kind of not able to perform at levels that they may have before. So the biggest thing I think companies can do is, again, remind themselves that employees are first and foremost people and that people have their own mental health challenges and not everyone experiences mental health challenges under periods of stress or not everyone you know sees the quality of their their work go down but we do need to pay attention to changes in baseline which include mood it includes outlook it includes interactions with coworkers um, and unreasonable kind of boundaries where they're just you know kind of killing themselves in more ways than one. Yeah. One point that you also mentioned, Alison, is that people feel empowered and, and, and sort of people like to be yes. pr productive. Um, I'm looking around Hong Kong and there are certainly a lot of people like that, you know, A-type personalities, people who achieve a lot um, and high-functioning individuals who can be very productive um, uh, but be miserable but still function. Yeah. And, and, and we get um, a, a lot of that. And, and it makes sense because then their mood, if you interact with some of these people, their mood is actually, they're not in a good mood. They do their job very yeah. well. Um, sometimes exceeding expectations, but at the same time, maybe deep down, there may be some mood disorders and that they're not really, they're, they're feeling miserable um, in spite of being so productive and being so successful. Um, yes. Let's talk about sort of, um, okay, well, the other side of the coin is people who are not so productive and productivity is sort of slowing down. Um, you know, can you share some tips on how we can increase uh, productivity at the workplace? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, Noreen, I want to add to what you just said about, you know, people who are sometimes productive in the workspace, you know, we can watch their moods deteriorate. What's interesting is that I often have to even gather secondary reports from, you know, people's husbands, wives, kids, whoever's kind of with these so-called super productive people outside of work, because sometimes people are actually able to maintain a certain facade or they're able to maintain a certain mood at work 
But then we notice, right, that in, in the home domain or in other domains that they really start they to show want to stay in bed. Stress. And, yeah, absolutely. In bed or, you know, or, or just super irritable. So now let's get to the question about being productive, because, yes, I do firmly believe that people, in order to have a sense of self-efficacy, to have a sense of agency, do want to be productive. But again, it's got to be balanced with some healthy um, boundaries. So let's talk about some ways for increasing productivity. So the first thing that I tell people with increasing productivity is to look at the, the low-hanging fruit, in other words, the lifestyle choices that they're making. So there's a bi-directional relationship, Noreen, between physical and mental health. So we want to make sure that both body and brain are being fed, being rested, and being taken care of because we know when people sleep better, when they eat healthier foods, when they're able to exercise a bit, even just five minutes a day and bring more oxygen to their brains, that that leads to a more potential for productivity because they're able to focus more, right? And with productivity, it's, you know, a lot of people have this idea that their company owns them and that their time, right, their productivity um, is really determined by expectations. But often what's important when you're looking at increasing productivity is to really be clear with what your goals are um, as an employee within that company and really measure that against what are the expectations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people make up stories in their mind about what the company expects of them and they don't actually take the extra step to understand what the company expects or to understand their career trajectory beyond just a short period of time. Now, another key thing that I tell people to increase productivity is that you want to make sure that you're maximizing your productive windows, right? So if you're a morning person, great. Let's, let's look at being most productive during the morning time. If you're, you know, completely grumpy without three cups of coffee and your productive window doesn't, you know, show up till 3 p.m., then great. Let's maximize that productive window. But regardless of when you're working towards being productive, one of the absolute keys is to switch from something called multitasking, which we all do, right? Check our phones and yes. cook dinner at the same time, right? And, and you and I, Noreen, are not, not free of this. Um, but we need to switch from multitasking to monotasking, which is focusing on one thing and one thing only. Now, there's a brilliant um, computer scientist at Georgetown University in the United States. His name is Cal Newport, and he's written a great number of books on increasing focus and productivity. And he has a concept, which I really like to share with people called, there's no such thing as a just check, which means that if you want to actually switch your brain into monotasking mode, you have to commit to focusing on one thing and one thing only. Because if you quote, just check something like the weather to see if the shoes you want are on sale, to see what the news is, is has on offer, you are breaking that focus and in turn you're reducing your ability to be productive. And lastly, this is just a sort of, you know, helpful hack that I sometimes share with people to increase productivity is they can employ something, Noreen, called the Pomodoro technique, which basically allows you to inbuild breaks into your workday. So you set a timer. It can be an old-fashioned egg timer or a timer on your phone. 
as long as you're not checking the apps during the the, <laughs> the time that the the phone is using the alarm the alarm setting, and you set it for 20 minutes and you focus on one thing at a time. Again, you monotask, and when the timer goes off, you inbuilt five or 10 minutes to do whatever you want. So you basically teach your brain to do work, to be productive within those kind of sprint windows. Now, all of this takes a lot of discipline, right? We've got things screaming for our attention left and right. So I often work with people who say, oh yes, my goal is absolutely to, to maximize productivity. And what I often ask them is, okay, what are the different choices you're willing to make? Because intellectually, we're all signed on to the idea of being more productive, but very few of us will actually change our choices, right? So the problem is, people often will say these things, yes, I want to focus more and be more productive, but we have to start making different changes. And we need to start informing people around us, so people in the workspace, people we live with, that we are starting to create different boundaries. We're starting to switch from multitasking to monotasking. And we need to tell people to really step back and to not use the word urgent flippantly, but to really discern between when something would be good to get done now versus something is really urgent because that often steals our ability to be productive. Yeah, well said, Alison. It reminds me of um, a, a guest I had on before. He, he's a Chinese medicine practitioner, and he would divide his day into uh, three chunks, and he would only check his email three times a day. And there's a disclaimer at the end of his email. He'll check it once in the morning, I think once after lunchtime, and then once yeah. before he leaves the, uh, the office or his clinic. And then he'll divide his day between uh, seeing clients for, for Chinese medicine to experiments. And he very clearly divides his day. And he says it's more productive because he only focuses yes. on those tasks when he's supposed to. So these are really yes. great tips and, and advice. Uh, remind our listeners once again, Alison, how can we find out more about you and your work? Have you got a website we can go to as well? We do. So it's www.otandp.com. So that's O-T-A-N-D-P.com. Excellent. Well, Alison, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And we've been chatting thank with Alison Halexa, who is a psychotherapist and head of corporate psychology at OT&T Mindworks. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you, Nuri. Thanks for listening, everyone.